chapter sixteen of dr luttrell's first patient by rosa newshed carey this librivox recording is in the public domain busy days rely upon it the spiritual life is not knowing or learning but doing we only know so far as we can do we learn to do by doing and we learn to know by doing what we do truly rightly in the way of duty that and only that we are rev frederick robertson when alwyn heard that greta was downstairs he brightened perceptibly she is a dear creature he said except in looks she has not changed a bit she used to be rather a pretty girl interesting-looking that was the word for greta but she is very graceful still will you give my love to her mrs luttrell i shall hope to see her to-morrow or the next day and then he turned wearily on his pillow as though talking were too great an effort the following afternoon greta came earlier but as she was unable to stay long olivia found an opportunity of going round to mayfield villas it was just in the gloaming aunt madge's rest hour as she called it and there was unmistakable gladness in her voice when olivia's tall figure appeared on the threshold welcome welcome little stranger she said merrily do you know livy that you have played truant for four whole days i was just thinking of sending deb round this evening to know if anything were the matter oh i see as her bright penetrating glance read her niece's face you have something wonderful to tell me draw up your chair and i will be as quiet as a mouse i am a splendid listener as my dear fergus used to say something wonderful repeated olivia breathlessly why aunt madge i feel as though i were in the third volume of a sensational novel what do you think robert barton whom marcus found starving on a doorstep is mr gaythorne's long-lost son alwyn it was evident that mrs broderick was intensely surprised for she quite flushed up with excitement go on tell me everything from the beginning i will not interrupt she said quickly and olivia nothing loath gave a graphic account of the afternoon at galveston house is it not grand aunt madge she finished but mrs broderick's voice was not so steady as usual as she answered so the blessing has come to him and he will have his heart's desire but there is a heavy load laid on him too poor stricken man olivia we must just pray for him until he is able to pray for himself his brain is really much clearer to-day returned olivia he spoke quite sensibly to marcus only his speech is a little affected he asked why his son had left the house and then marcus told him that he was weak and needed rest and that i was taking care of him crampton will see that he has all he requires he said and mrs crampton came over of her own accord last night do you know aunt madge i felt so ashamed of her seeing him in that bare little room and i tried to explain to her that it was only a sort of disused lumber-room but she soon made plenty of suggestions for his comfort she has sent a pair of thick curtains for the window and a big rug that nearly covers the floor and a softer mattress and another pillow and now the room looks so cosy marcus quite stared when he went up this morning it was quite touching to see mr alwyn with her he actually kissed her and called her his dear old goody i find she has lived with them ever since they were quite children i think she was olive's nurse and the fuss she made over him calling him her poor ill-used lamb it almost made me cry to hear her 
poor fellow he has certainly had his fill of husks yes indeed but mrs crampton is determined to kill the fatted calf now the things she sends over would feed half a dozen prodigal sons game and soups and jellies and fruit she says her master has given her carte blanche and that the doctor has laid a great stress on nourishment so of course we can say nothing well livy your life is not exactly stagnant just now no indeed but oh there is one thing i forgot to tell you marcus has another patient that is number five actually the surgery bell rang twice yesterday mrs broderick clapped her hands then she said in a teasing voice are you not glad that you kept martha and olivia laughed why aunt madge she said in an amused tone marcus actually proposed this morning that we should get an older and more capable servant but i told him i would rather work twice as hard than part with martha she is such a good willing little soul of course as long as mr alwyn keeps his room we shall have plenty of running about and dot is cutting some more teeth and is rather fretful so our hands are full but the only thing that troubles me is that i see so little of marcus he is out most of the evening either at galveston house or in brunswick place alas things are no better there and if this influenza epidemic comes on as the doctors predict he will have a busy spring no doubt but as we have only to live one day at a time we will not trouble our heads about that well you have given me food enough for some days i shall send deb round to-morrow evening to inquire after the invalids but you must not come again until you are more at leisure teething troubles and the care of a sick man are enough for any woman dear aunt madge exclaimed olivia affectionately if i could only be as unselfish as you i do believe you never think of yourself at all nonsense returned mrs broderick i am an old bundle of selfishness well i shall be thinking of those two poor things my heart aches for that young man but i pity his father too i was reading about the deaf man with an impediment in his speech this morning it is the lesson for to-day you know and i could not help pondering for some time on those words jesus took him apart from the multitude just as though quiet and stillness were needed for the healing i think that is the lesson that sickness teaches us the poor sufferer is led apart to wait for the word of healing sometimes he waits long but the time has not been lost lord it is good for us to be here i think some of us will say that when our painful sojourning at the mount of suffering is over yes it is good for us to have drunk of his cup without complaining aunt madge's eyes had a dreamy look in them the beautiful voice vibrated in olive's ear like music but as she stooped to kiss her somewhat awed by her unusual solemnity the old kind smile returned to her lips good-bye livy darling my love and congratulations to marcus olivia was putting a good face on things but marcus oppressed with a heavy responsibility of three serious cases hardly knew how hard she worked from morning to night dot feverish and fretful was always wanting to be in her mother's arms martha with all her willingness was too young and inexperienced to be a very efficient help so although olivia always wore a bright expression when marcus came in for his meals and chatted to him in her old cheerful way she was often too weary to sleep it was a relief therefore when alwyn was able to leave his room and lie on the couch downstairs greta's afternoon visits were then a real boon she could leave them together while she went out and did her business olivia's healthy robust constitution always needed fresh air and regular exercise confinement to the house tried her and the small rooms and low ceilings at number one galveston terrace were certainly rather cramping half an hour's brisk walk always refreshed her and acted like a tonic 
she would look in at mayfield villas for ten minutes and give her report of the invalids and then come back to tea looking so fresh and invigorated that alwyn once told her that she was as good as a whiff of moorland air alwyn was slow in recovering from that terrible shock his nerves had suffered severely and at times his restlessness and depression were sad to see if he could only be reconciled to his father greta would sigh but the thought of another interview seems to terrify him he is so painfully morbid she went on and distrusts himself he is afraid of saying and doing the wrong thing somehow he seems to have lost all faith in his father's love i long for his forgiveness i know that i have been a bad son he said yesterday but he will never believe in my penitence oh it is dreadful the way he talks and works himself up marcus says it is a good deal owing to nervous exhaustion returned olivia but he is very sorry for him mr gaythorne has begged more than once to see him he is evidently craving for a sight of him but marcus dare not bring them together yet mr gaythorne is only just able to sit up and he is very weak and then while mr alwyn is in this nervous state he is hardly to be trusted yes we must be patient i suppose i have perfect faith in dr luttrell's opinion and then her manner changed and she said mournfully do you know how badly he thinks of father he is afraid he will never leave his bed again yes i know and dr bevan agrees with him poor greta i am so sorry for you and she laid her hand affectionately on her shoulder yes but i dare not murmur returned the girl in a low voice it would be more merciful to let him die than linger on in suffering and with a little burst of feeling the disease that is killing him has not been brought on by his own fault oh the gratitude i felt when dr luttrell said that it has been latent in the system and that only lately dr bevan suspected it but oh dear mrs luttrell do not wish him to live no one who cared for him could wish it poor child yes i know marcus explained things to me he is quite himself went on greta drying her eyes and so dear and affectionate but it hurt me so to hear him asking my pardon for the life he had led me i have not deserved such a good daughter he said over and over again since your poor mother died you have been my one blessing dear greta you will let these words comfort you oh yes i was repeating them in my dreams all night when he was talking to me i felt that i had got the old father back what do you think mrs luttrell he actually asked me if i should go on living at brunswick place when he was gone and then it came into my head to tell him about ivy dean and he was so interested i am sure he was pleased when i told him that i should like to go back there he actually wanted me to write to the lawyer about it but when he saw how shocked i was at the idea he said perhaps we had better wait a little olivia thought over this conversation when greta left her her heart ached for the lonely girl when marcus came in a few minutes later he seemed struck with her unusual gravity is there anything wrong livy he asked you seem in the doldrums and as she smiled and shook her head he continued cheerfully i am glad to hear it do you know i have actually a free evening until ten i feel as though i was a schoolboy again and had an unexpected holiday in my opinion only busy people know how to enjoy a holiday properly and i am really to have you to myself for three whole hours and olivia's face beamed with delight as marcus drew his chair to the fire and took up the long neglected book greta's troubles went into the background oh don't read just now she said imploringly let us talk a little first marcus is it very naughty of me but once or twice during the last few days when you have been too busy to stay with me or to play with dot i have thought that even prosperity will have its limitations that being a successful doctor means that i shall see far too little of you then marcus drew back his head with one of his boyish laughs oh livy 
what a child you are have you just found out that how delightfully illogical a woman can be it stands to reason that i cannot be in two places at once oh of course your patience will want you and i am not really grumbling do you suppose that i shall not be proud of your success i was only trying to tell you that in spite of all our difficulties and little petty troubles i have been perfectly happy especially on saturday evenings when you trotted up your little red book and the balance was always on the wrong side i have seen you pull an uncommonly long face on those occasions i am not quite sure about the perfect happiness then then as olivia looked reproachfully at him his teasing manner changed dear olive he said tenderly i am not really laughing at you i understand quite well what you mean i am not such an old married man that i cannot appreciate a compliment like that when my wife tells me with her own lips that my society can sweeten even poverty and hardship you are quite right love prosperity will have its limitations these pleasant evening hours will often have to be sacrificed but in all professions we must take the rough with the smooth we must just put our shoulder to the wheel you and i and do the next thing da eh livy oh yes she answered eagerly and yours is such a grand work i have always been so thankful you are a doctor when i was quite young i used to tell mother that i wanted to marry a clergyman but i think a doctor comes next oh marcus did you ever read whittier's verses on this subject greta brought me his poems and read them to me i think i know the last two verses by heart beside the unveiled mysteries of life and death go stand with guarded lips and reverent eyes and pure of heart and hand the good physician liveth yet thy friend and guide to be the healer by genesaret shall walk thy rounds with thee and as olivia repeated the lines in a voice tremulous with deep feeling dr luttrell's firm lips unbent with a moved expression that is beautiful he said i think those words ought to be illuminated and hung up in every doctor's waiting-room the healer by genesaret shall walk thy rounds with thee End of chapter 16